Thanks for the ride, Uncle Oh, ben. wait a minute, Peter. We, uh, we need to talk. Well, we can talk later. Well, we can talk now, if you let me. But what do we have to talk about? Why now? Because we haven't talked at all for so long. Your Aunt May and I don't even know who you are anymore. You shirk your chores. You, you have all those weird experiments in, in, your, in your room. You, you start fights at school. We I don't didn't know. start that fight. I told you that. Yeah, well, you sure finished. What was I supposed to do, run away? No, no, you're not supposed to run away, but... Pete, look, you're changing. I know, I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Are you afraid that I'm going to turn into some kind of criminal? Quit worrying about me, okay? Something's different. I'll figure it out. Stop lecturing me, please. I don't mean to lecture and I don't mean to preach. And I know I'm not your father. Then stop pretending to be. Pick you up here at 10. Well, hello, Hope Ames. My name is Haley Shepherds, and Uncle Ben said in that clip, he's not here to preach, but that's certainly what I'm here doing today. I'm the pastoral intern here for Hope Ames, and I've, it's been a little bit. I've been finishing finals since last time I've been up here, so I'm so excited to be with you again to talk about this series, All Things New. And what we saw in that clip there uh, was this relationship between Uncle Ben and Peter Parker. Now, Peter Parker eventually becomes Spider-Man. Uh, he got bit by a radioactive spider at work, and so he's in the process of figuring out what his powers are like and kind of discovering who he is as a man as well. And we can see the relationship between his uncle. He actually had lost his parents, so his uncle took him in, and his uncle has been raising him. And we see this conflict in their relationship of, of Uncle Ben really wanting Peter to feel like he's a part of the family. And we see some resistance from Peter. And we're asking ourselves this question, is this relationship gonna be renewed? Are they gonna be able to come back together? And that's what we're going to be exploring today as we dive into this series. This clip was actually inspired by my friend from Hope Kids. His name is Aiden, and we are both big superhero fans. So I give him credit for, for thinking, helping me figure out this, this idea from Spider-Man. Um, but at the beginning of this movie, uh, we start to see this relationship fall apart. But we are promised that in this series, we're looking at how God makes all things new. We're diving into scripture where we see the number seven come up again and again. When you see the number seven come up in scripture, it's important for us to recognize that God is doing something big. And we're called to explore what is that. Last week, we focused on the seven ways we are called to be one. The number seven means wholeness, completion. And so we read this verse from Ephesians. For there is one body and one spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. It's a lot of ones, because oneness and wholeness is important to God. And so now we're gonna discover why is it important for us in our life today? 
I want you to turn to the person next to you that you came here with and say, we are one. Pretty easy to say, right? And if God says it's true, then it must be true, right? Is there anyone in your life who maybe that would be difficult to say to? Someone that would be a challenge for you to grab their hand and say, come on, we are one. Like Uncle Ben there is saying to Peter. Today, we're going to focus on that relationship in our own relationships. It breaks my heart every time when Peter says, you're not my father. Talk about a gut-wrenching line. But the reality is maybe we've said hurtful things, done hurtful things. Relationships end up broken, and we're going to focus on how those relationships can be renewed and how we can come back together in this oneness that God calls us to. Jesus, in our Bible reading in the chapter, or in Matthew 18, we're looking at how Jesus is trying to bring people around him, people together, and his followers are asking him, Jesus, what is this one community supposed to look like? Oftentimes, this Jesus community is referred to as the kingdom of God. That sounds like a very elusive term that we're trying to really figure out, what does that mean, to be a part of the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is mentioned in this book of Matthew 57 times, more than any of the other gospel accounts. The kingdom of God in its simplest form is Jesus rules. And so now we're asking ourselves, what is it like to live in this grace-filled community? We see here in this slide, okay, yes, we have been forgiven of our sins and rescued from darkness. What happens now that we live in this freedom underneath Jesus' rule? We look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 to see what this freedom means for our lives. Jesus has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his sons. This is God and Jesus Christ. We are now brought into this kingdom who purchased our freedom for the forgiveness of sins. So now that we have received this freedom, okay, Jesus, what does this look like in a community? We see this idea of, okay, first freedom, then service. Sometimes we get that a little backwards. We think, okay, God, when I serve you, then I get freedom. But no, freedom is always first. And because of that freedom, because of that love, because of that mercy, because of that grace, we get to go into the world and share that with others. But when we get it twisted around and think we have to serve in order to be free, then we get relationships a little messed up. But we do receive power in this freedom. Sometimes we oftentimes think, you know, there's nothing I can do. But you have received this power of freedom from the forgiveness of sins. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, we take a look at what this means for our lives. When we live in Christ, the kingdom of God is, just, is not just talk. It's living by God's power. Can everyone say power? power? That power is yours. It's offered to you freely. And there's another quote um, from this movie, from Spider-Man, that has stuck with me. I have a terrible memory. You're probably wondering, why are you a pastor? Are you going to be a pastor? I have no idea. God called me to this, and here I am. Um, but there's this quote, and I cannot remember any movie quotes but I will never forget this from Spider-Man. It's with great power comes great responsibility. Talk about a mic drop quote. And so we look at this quote of, okay, now that we have this power from God, because we live in Christ, we have this freedom, what is our responsibility in this Jesus kingdom under Jesus' rule? I want us to remember that this is not a, not a have to, but a get to. 
This is not gonna lead us into darkness, this power, it's gonna lead us into God's glorious light. Not because God demands us, demands that we do things, but because God deems us worthy to do the things with these power that we receive in God's family. And so when we receive forgiveness, we're called to forgive others. And so we learn in Ephesians chapter four, verses 30 through 32, when we live under this Jesus rule, there's this call for us to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anxiety, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It's this movement towards rejecting the ways of this world and moving into this kingdom of light. We're moving towards the way Christ has said things are the, this is the way things are supposed to be. Be kind, be tenderhearted, forgive. There's a famous phrase that, you know, I've heard my whole life and I'd be surprised if you haven't heard it, but it's this idea of we live in a broken world, we're hurt people, and hurt people hurt people. And so I don't know if, if you're kind of coming into the room today knowing, you know, I have some hurt or I've done some hurt, but I want you in your seats to take some time to just reflect. I want you, we'll do some small movements, but I want you to go ahead and just lift your right palm up just in your lap if you've been hurt, if you're carrying some kind of hurt, if you've ever been hurt in your life. I promise I'm not gonna make you raise it. I know we're Lutherans, so we don't have to go too high, but just turn your palm over. Make sure you keep your distance. Now I want you to turn your other hand over if you've done the hurting at some point in your life. This is a place of surrender, to ask for forgiveness, to be forgiven. And I want you to know today it's for you. It's for you abundantly and perfectly and fully. And so wherever you're at, maybe you're angry. Maybe you're in a place where it's, God, I'm angry, I'm hurt. And we can go to the next slide. Maybe you're carrying that hurt with you today. Maybe you're at a point where you're, you're thinking, God, I don't want to forgive. No way. God, help me to want to forgive. Maybe you're at a place where now you're, you're ready to forgive. When we're at this place of surrender, forgiveness is trusting that hurt into the hands of God. It's freedom for us. And then there's this need for forgiveness. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all need to look at ourselves and know that we are equals. We have all sinned and we're not perfect. And we hurt and we hurt each other. And the psalmist cries out in this place of surrender, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's what we're asking is for renewal. In this place of surrender and need of forgiveness, we're looking for new life. Out of, away from death, bitterness, anger, rage, and into new life. So that's what we can ask for God today. And maybe you're in a place where you're not ready. God is patient and God is kind. And God is forgiving. Peter, a disciple of Jesus Christ, actually got to see Jesus' forgiveness in action throughout his ministry. Jesus is going around healing people left and right oftentimes even from physical uh, needs or you know, disformities and those kinds of things or diseases. And Jesus is healing, but first he's forgiving. And Peter gets to see this. So Peter's saying, okay, you are the Messiah, but how much should humans forgive? 
We saw that in our Bible study, our Bible reading today. Peter asked this question, how much? Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Peter and Jesus says. He replies, 70 times seven. If seven is completion and wholeness, how much more is 70 times seven? And for some of you good at math, you're probably like 490. 490 is the number. Let's not go with 490. It represents infinite forgiveness, complete forgiveness, limitless forgiveness. We live in a world where limits sometimes make us more comfortable, like speed limits, weight limits for trucks, you know, off-limits signs, no trespassing. And we oftentimes get a sense for safety of there should be limits in this world. But God is saying when it comes to forgiveness, there is no limits. And so now we're challenged, and I'm sure Peter is challenged. Come on, just quantify it for me, Jesus. Give me a number. But no, it's complete forgiveness, unlimited forgiveness. Sometimes we think uh, forgiveness, if it's unlimited, can be dangerous. But forgiveness is all about declaring your physical and spiritual independence from someone. It's separating yourself from your wounds and your wounders. That is okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship is ever going to look the same. You know, sometimes we're not called to be walked over when it comes to forgiveness. We're not called um, to continue to let abuse happen to us. But relationships need to go back to the way they were in, in the spirit. God can, can bring us to a place of healing that's done through forgiveness. Relationships can be messy and painful. And relationships, um, we often uh, receive or we want to you know, be united with that person. And sometimes it's just not safe. I'm not saying that you know, we should have healthy boundaries. We should have healthy boundaries. There should be accountability for people to not continue to hurt one another. Forgiveness is about this separation, this declaration of independence that says, God, you are bigger than this. And the psalmist tells us this need for God to want unity. God wants us to be united. And things are a little bit messy here. Danny talked about peace. You know, in the midst of this broken world, God offers us peace and wants us to live in unity. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity, we learn in this psalm. When you think about unity, it's been talked a lot about this past week. With politics, with relationships, um, maybe you're thinking there's no way. We are too divided. Maybe you're thinking it's way too much work. I've just given up at this point. But when we look at the Hebrew word for unity in uh, this verse here, it means togetherness. It means to be together. And so we look at where has this division started and where has it come and brought us today? Division has been in this world for since the beginning of time, since the fall of creation. And we see theme after theme of this idea of revenge, of humans needing to level the playing field, to make things fair. Maybe revenge seems like a little dramatic word, like I've never wanted revenge. What about payback? You wanted things to be fair and refused to forgive. You ever said to someone, you know, I bet they'll get what they deserve. It'll come back to them. It's payback. It's modern day revenge. Maybe you're looking at your parents the way your parents raised you and thinking, you know, I'm going to prove to them that I'm a way better parent by the way I raise my kids. That'll show them. Maybe you're a sibling and you've hurt your sibling or you want to continue to you know, make your other sibling feel inferior. 
that's payback. Maybe you don't feel appreciated. Maybe you're experiencing a lot of relational stress in pandemics, whether that's with marriages, siblings, friendships. And then we maybe feel uh, like we're not cared for. Maybe we're coming out of a place of insecurity. We think, well, I'm just going to ignore them. I'm going to show them um, what they're missing out on. I'm going to cause more stress in that relationship instead of forgiveness. That's still payback. We can be driven to want someone to pay for our hurt and insecurities and fear. That relational stress will just leave us more agitated. Stress literally means having emotions pull you in different directions. Do you feel pretty spread right now? Do you feel like you're going in multiple directions? Stress will show us what we fear, and stress will show us what's important to us. Is there relational stress in your life right now? How has the pandemic amplified your relationships with your friends, your marriages, your family members? It can be easy to want to build up walls to protect ourselves because of this stress. And so that's what I have for us here today. We start to, you know, build this wall between ourselves and another person because the relational stress is too much, too much. They've hurt me too much. So we stand on our side of the wall and we start to build. It starts to get higher and higher. But oftentimes we don't realize we're not separating ourselves from that other person. In our unforgiveness and our place of hurt, we start to separate ourselves from the cross of Christ. No longer are they on the other side, but that cross is. So Jesus says, I want to give you peace. I want to give you freedom. Please receive my forgiveness. and Stop building walls. Jesus is actually in the business of building bridges. So we see this unforgiveness, resentment, and relationships. We can see that Jesus slowly turns our walls into bridges. and takes away our resentment and our anger and our bitterness and our relationship and strife says, no, I'm going to build a bridge now that you can reach that other person. Pretty soon we're no longer separated by the walls we build, but Jesus Christ builds a bridge for us to get to that other person and slowly starts taking these things away from us so that not only we can be free, but we can be free to forgive that person and they can experience that same freedom. Forgiveness belongs to God. The minute we think we cannot forgive someone, we try to claim that for ourselves. But an unforgiving heart just does more damage to us. Don't count the hurt and let it build a wall. Let Jesus Christ be the bridge. And so we chase forgiveness in this Jesus community, in the kingdom of God. We want it. It's hard. Relational stress builds, but so does relational strife. Strife is a little bit different than stress. What strife means is we have our core fundamental values and commitments and ideas that cause conflict with another person. Sound familiar? <laughs> Sounds like 2020. Strife is this disagreement over fundamental issues. Is, have we given up on forgiveness? Just look at cancel culture. We've refused forgiveness to people because they've done something that they can't be redeemed from. And God says, no, I'm going to redeem them. Who are you to say that they are not forgiven? But it's easy to think that we have this misconception that forgiveness is fair. 
that we don't have to cross the bridge 50% and the other person's gonna come the other 50%. Sometimes we have to walk the 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 in order for there to be peace and unity with the relationships in our life, relationships to be renewed. But that power to do that comes from God. And so we draw the line. We say, you know, this commitment, my commitment to my values, I can't cross that to be together with you. When our commitments, when our foundational core values, which I think are great to have values, um, you know, and, and have your foundation, but when it creates walls of conflict that prevent us from compassion, from human being to human being, that's when it becomes an issue. Forgiveness is not about fairness. Forgiveness is about faith. And so we see, um, I see this a lot in this quote from Hank Aaron, who just passed away this week. Many of you probably know who Hank Aaron is. And he's this um, baseball legend. I could go on and on about his career, but I think this quote from him says a lot about forgiveness and faith and how forgiveness isn't about fairness, it's about faith. He says, I never doubted my ability, but when you hear all the time, you're, when you hear all the time in your life that you're inferior, it makes you wonder if the other guys have something you've never seen before. If they do, I'm still looking for it. Your faith, which calls you to ask for forgiveness, doesn't make you inferior or weak. Wanting forgiveness does not make you inferior or weak. You're not missing out by letting go. Sometimes going to the 50%, the 100% for the sake of unity, it's worth it. Leveling, leveling the playing field has no place here. It will not make you happier or more fulfilled, but forgiveness will. Forgiveness is a promise from God. But the one thing I think we really need to remember is that forgiveness costs us nothing. It's free, and it costs Jesus Christ everything. We learn in Matthew 26, 28, for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Jesus Christ's may, death may have looked like a sacrifice, and it was a sacrifice, but it was not a loss. Oh no, it was a glorious victory, victory for us, because our sins have been wiped clean because of Christ's blood. And I want us to look back at Jesus Christ's ministry. When Jesus um, was on his, his ministry, he, he experienced stress in relationships, probably some similar or some stress that we can maybe um, associate with. We just saw Peter, this disciple, who's walking with Jesus, who asked about forgiveness. Later on, when Jesus is led to the cross, Peter denies him three times. Do you know what it's like to be denied by someone that you love? Jesus experienced that, that stress, having someone you love reject you. Jesus knows that feeling. And that's why Jesus continued to go to the cross. He carried his cross, and he also experienced relational strife. When he was tried a criminal's death, an unfair trial, forgiveness isn't fair, it's about faith. So Jesus continued to march. God will always prevail, even in the midst of relational suffering, relational strife, relational stress, which prevent us from having these renewed relationships. And God says, no, I'm the answer. Jesus even faced abandonment on the cross, 
he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Complete separation so that you would never feel alone again, so that you would know you're forgiven and we get to experience this freedom. And so we continue on this journey where Jesus eventually sacrifices. For what? For this next verse from Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Sometimes it feels like I don't know what I'm doing when I'm forgiving. And you might feel the same way. Forgiveness is about surrender. Whether you're asking or whether you're receiving. We are not accepted or right before God because we forgive. This isn't, oh God, look at me, I'm so good, I'm forgiving other people. No, it's out of freedom, out of what God has done, asking for forgiveness on our behalf, paying the price so that it costs us nothing. Jesus shows us that the cross is where divine forgiveness flows. How's your soul? Is it overflowing? Is it an overflowing spring with forgiveness or is it feel more like a drought, an empty well? God says, I want to pour that water out to you, that life. Jesus is the bridge that leads us from life to death, from captivity to freedom, from hurt to healing. Jesus wants to be that bridge for you. There's hurt in your heart. Is there hurt in your heart that you can't let go of? My family has definitely faced some hurt this year, some relational stress, relational strife, and suffering. Maybe you have too. Recently in May, over this COVID season, my grandmother called me and my family and said 18 of her friends had died to COVID-19. 18 friends. Talk about suffering. She was in a nursing home and a couple days later she was diagnosed with COVID-19. God comes to us in our hopeless times and our suffering and God shows up. My mother was able to go see her. She flew out. And COVID-19, if you know, you're, you're a nurse, you're a doctor, you know that if you can make it past two weeks, it's usually a good sign. So my mom sat outside my grandma's nursing home for almost two weeks, a little bit short. They said, she should be good to go. She, she's gonna beat this. My mother went home and within 24 hours, my grandma had passed. And so now the suffering begins. The resentment begins, the regret begins. I asked my mom, you know, are you angry? Do you think it could have been preventable? Are you sad? Are you hurt? She says, no, I'm just sad. I'm so sad she died alone. We found out later that there was hospice workers, nurses, nursing home um, staff who stayed with her. So she was not alone. They stayed late. They showed up the next day on their day off to be with her so that she wasn't alone. It gave my mom so much peace, you know, and so I asked her, you know, okay, you don't resent anyone. If you feel like it couldn't be preventable and you, she didn't die alone, well, do you have any regret? What are you holding on to? Mom said, I will forgive, even if it could have been prevented. Resentment is a weight I do not want to carry, and I thank God for that. Regret is a weight I don't have to carry, and I thank God for that. Forgiving others and forgiving ourselves can be one of the biggest challenges. Maybe you're in that place now where I just have such a hard time forgiving myself. Maybe you're hard on yourself. My mom has not had an easy life. 
She's had a lot of hardships. She's also said she's had a lot of healing. I find that inspiring and I, I want the same for myself. What kind of healing do you need today? What kind of bridge do you need across that Jesus Christ is leading you to? Finding that relational peace, that relational renewal, looks different for every single one of us. Asking for and offering forgiveness is a good place to start. One that God calls us to. And one that God promised to already show up in. And so I've had many moments where I've needed to ask for forgiveness and also receive it. And I've got things in my heart today, like I'm sure you do as well. I have relationships that need to be renewed. And you'll see many moments um, like this one in the clip that we're going to watch. Uh, maybe you can relate to it. But Spider-Man has now become a hero in this next clip. He's found his place. He's found his power. Now what's he going to do with it? we didn't know was that first scene, if you haven't seen Spider-Man, that's the last time he will speak to his Uncle Ben. It's the last conversation they had, one filled with hurt. So Peter's looking for payback. The robber had come and tried to steal his grandpa's car, or his uncle's car, excuse me, and he ended up killing his uncle. Now Peter's in this place of, of anger, and we see this exchange between him and this robber who actually ends up becoming an evil superhero, the Sandman. After he kills Uncle Ben, he races into um, a radioactive area and becomes the Sandman. Superheroes, I tell you. <laughs> but now they face off in this final battle. I want you to see what happens. Let's take a look. But I had no choice. We always have a choice. You had a choice when you killed my uncle. My daughter was dying. I needed money. I was scared. I told your uncle all I wanted was the car. What is it? I need your car. He said to me, why don't you just put down the gun and go home? I realize now he was just trying to help me. And then I saw my partner running over with the cash and the gun was in my hand. did a terrible thing to you. I spent a lot of nights wishing I could take it back. I'm not asking you to forgive me. I just want you to understand. I've done terrible things too.
didn't choose to be this. The only thing left to me now is my daughter. I forgive you. God goes to the hard places so that we can forgive. Did you see the freedom? Did you see the peace? That's for you. Let's go ahead and stand and worship.